fucking rap niggas. Hustle man a shooter, that's a fact, nigga. 32 extendos in my Mac, nigga. Spend a thousand on some t-shirts up in sacks, nigga. I ain't nothing like you fucking rap niggas. Hustle man a shooter, that's a fact, nigga. 32 extendos in my Mac, nigga. Spend a thousand on some t-shirts up in sacks, nigga. What is up, everybody? This is Dark Ratio Humor, starting off the episode once again with a little more Nipsey Hustle. The late Nipsey Hustle, rest in peace, man. Yeah, real sad, real sad. Um... Good for him, good for him, owning all the rights to his song. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Dark Racial Humor, free-flowing, in-depth conversation about whatever is appropriate at the time. I'm Bonjin. Um, I'm alone again. Uh, my co-host, Collar John, is still out of the office. Um, don't know when he'll be back, but until then, you get to hang with Uncle Bon from now on. Um, yeah, you know. Lots to talk about. Yesterday we were uh, really getting into the life, the impact of Mr. Nipsey Hussle. Um, full discretion. I said this lots of times uh, yesterday. Not, I'm not, not a Nipsey Hussle fan at all. Um, did not listen to him before his death. But now I kind of listen to him uh, quite a bit because I'm like... Um, pretty interested now in his life story. Uh, I've been doing some research on him. Um, and usually, you know, I'm not one to uh, exploit the death of someone for more than one episode. But, you know, the news just keeps the news just keeps going. The news kind of dictates where the episodes are going to go. So, um, you know what? Uh, we're just going to start off with some Nipsey Hussle news. It's going to be real sad. So, make sure you got your... Uh, your tissues close. This is from ABC News. Bam. Now we're going to turn to the latest on the shooting death of Grammy-nominated rapper Nipsey Hussle. A suspect is now in custody, and overnight, the rapper's longtime girlfriend broke her silence. ABC's Adrian Bankert has more. Overnight, actress Lauren London, the love of Nipsey Hussle's life and the mother of his child, addresses the rapper's death for the first time, writing on Instagram, I am completely lost. I've lost my best friend. We are lost without you, babe. I have no words. Nipsey's death has sent shockwaves across this city and across this globe. London's heartbreaking tribute comes as authorities arrest this man. There he is. There he is. 29-year-old Eric Holder, the suspected killer of the Grammy-nominated artist. Police say the murder was not a gang fight, but a personal dispute. Mr. Holder uh, walked up on, more, on multiple occasions and engaged in a conversation with Nipsey. Subsequently came back armed with a handgun, striking and killing Nipsey Hussle. The suspected getaway driver turned herself into authorities. She was not arrested and left freely Tuesday night. Sources tell ABC News that the woman is saying little to investigators for fear of retaliation. 
And in the same place that Hustle was murdered to prevent the chaos from large crowds earlier this week, police have imposed a curfew at the memorial site to allow mourners to pay their respects peacefully. You might as well call him the, the president of the hood then, for real. Mm. Barack Obama of the streets. Wow. For real. Was he that big? He was that big. And NBA superstar Russell Westbrook. Dedicated his win over the Lakers to the slain rapper with a historic performance. That wasn't for me, man. That was for my, for my okay, yeah, all right. You get it. Real sad. Um, quick updates to the story. Um, super, super sad about uh, Lauren London. That's heartbreaking, truly. Um, but, yeah, you, you pretty much heard it there. It wasn't a... A gang dispute. It was basically a personal dispute. Someone was in the store, came back with a handgun, and then, bam, interesting. Um, and yeah, the impact is crazy, man. Like, you see, uh, Nipsey Hustle shirts around, and dude, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm kind of glad I wasn't a fan, or else this will probably hit me a lot more, cause this is like, this is like a pretty big, pretty big death, apparently. Um, awesome. Yeah, can't wait for that, that good, good conversation later. Okay, so we'll have more Nipsey Hustle news later in the episode. But let's just move right along, because, you know, there's lots to talk about. This is from the New York Times about my, my dear alma mater, the University of Arizona in Tucson. Two students charged after protesting Border Patrol event at University of Arizona. So, this is written by Christine Hauser. Two students at the University of Arizona are facing criminal charges after protesting the appearance of the United States Customs and Border Protection officers at an event last month on campus, an official said Tuesday. Um, two uh, 22-year-old women were charged on Monday with interfering with the peaceful conduct of an educational institution, a misdemeanor, said Chris W. Sigurdsson, a university spokesman. Ms. Miranda Melker was also charged with making threats and intimidation. Okay, so uh, I wasn't supposed to say the name, but I said the name. Um, so I actually saw this as it was going down because... Um, I used to know uh, one of the, the young women involved with this um, in, a, in college, and I follow her on Instagram, and I was just, like, watching this as it was going down. And um, I'm going to play the video for you right now so uh, you can decide for yourself um, what you think if you haven't um, heard about the story. Uh, we're going to talk about it in a bit, but first, here is the clip from Instagram. I don't know who allowed the murder patrol murderers into campus where I pay to be here and they allow murderers to be on campus where I pay to be here murderers on campus murderers on campus this is supposed to be a safe space for students but they allow an extension of the KKK into campus, an extension of the KKK into campus. Okay, we're gonna pause it right there. All right, big, bold words. 
Let's dissect this logic, please. All right. So, we have two Border Patrol agents. They are talking, presumably peacefully, to um, criminal justice students, if I read it right, on the New York Times website. Um, this young woman walks in. You can't see the video, but she's peeking her phone into the door, which is slightly ajar. So she's entering the room, and she begins yelling what you just heard right now while filming this for her Instagram story. Uh, okay, so now you're now that you're all caught up, let's uh let's go further into the video. All right, students. So students uh, that were in the class are now walking up to her to talk to her. No, that's okay. Murder Patrol is here on campus. This is supposed to be a safe space for students. Safe space for students. But we have the Murder Patrol here. How about you talk about slashing water? How about you talk about taking the shoes off migrants, letting them walk through the desert barefoot? How about you talk about all the graves of unidentified folks? There are students that pay to be here, pay to be here, that need this to be a safe space for them. And we have the KKK. Okay, so it looks like the leader of the club is coming up to address. Right here at the U of A. Address the lady You're that's yelling. Great, I can sit in the entire okay. time. I'll just be saying that they're murderers the entire fucking time. Okay. Because it's the truth. Okay. They're murderers. And you as a club should be more conscious of the rest of the students on this campus and okay. the students that need to be safe on this campus and maybe find a meeting place outside. Safe. No, I do not feel safe okay, with them here. Nope, I'm gonna stand. Okay. No, uh, oh, oh, it's white woman calling the police. White woman calling the police. Okay, so, uh, yeah, pretty escalated there. Um, you could see, you could tell that it obviously jumped from I'm scared to a little bit of, a little bit of racism in there at the end, near the end. Um, I don't know if you formed an opinion on this matter. Uh, I'm going to keep mine to myself for the time being. And we're going to go further into the video because I'm actually really entertained by this. I would love to keep going. If you don't feel safe, I will call the UAPD. You think the UAPD is going to make me feel safe? White woman and white man calling the police. Murder patrol, murder patrol, murder patrol. So it looks like Border Patrol is leaving right now. Murder patrol, Shaking the hands of the people of the class and they're just leaving. And they're just following them. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. They're following them out the school, out the school, out the school. They follow them to their cars. Okay, um, yeah. When this happened, I really did not think it was going to pick up this much, this much steam. Because Tucson, you know, Tucson's a small town. Nothing really happens there. So now that New York Times are covering, covering it, um, it's getting picked up on podcasts. I, I really hope someone like Joe Rogan talks about that, discusses it. It's going to be pretty funny. Um... I don't know, man. I don't know what to say. 
But as usual, there are two sides to the there are two um sides of the aisle here. Um you have one side who is vehemently I hope I'm using that right, against um the actions of these two young women um at the University of Arizona. The video right now that I'm watching is thirteen thousand views, but on Twitter um it's been viewed hundreds of thousands of times. Um just looking at some of these comments. Progressive and deranged. The silver lining for me is that I've become conservative since I've realized how deranged their ideology is. This is from someone on YouTube. Someone else says, natural selection will thankfully rid the world of people like this. Okay, that's a little harsh. Matt says, if she's not fully safe, then why is she following them? I agree with that. So really, people just tearing tearing her apart on YouTube, Twitter. But of course, um, there's definitely people on her side. It seems like that's the minority here, though. This is from at Young Swim V on Twitter. University of Arizona is complicit in the charging of two students of color who stood up for their community and decided to voice their discomfort with um, Border Patrol being on campus. We DACA students stand in solidarity with you two. And they write a letter. I'm going to read a little bit of it. It starts with, we will not be silent, Tucson AZ. Every day, the presence of law enforcement threatens the existence of black, brown, indigenous, queer, and trans refugee in undocumented communities. First off, what's the point of even, like, does Border Patrol really threaten queer and trans people? Like, really? Like, I can understand brown, but, like, I don't know. Just had to throw that in there. Anyway, pervasive detentions and family separations have been a reality outside of the boundaries of the University of Arizona. Just these last two weeks, we were aware of at least 10 Border Patrol interactions with immigrants in Tucson. One of them occurred on Tuesday, March 19th, when Customs and Border Patrol detained three members of the immigrant family, including a 12-year-old daughter. After the detention, the father was deported. While this family was being separated, Customs and Border Patrol... On the University Arizona began recruiting students. Now, um, I was uh, doing some research on this case, and I honestly did not find anything. Maybe I didn't look hard enough, but I'm going to do some further research and pull up the circumstances of the case that they are proclaiming. Anyways, I feel that's kind of irrelevant to the situation because... Um, Hold up, I'm just going to read the rest, or read some more of the letter. As DECA recipients of the university, the presence of CPB on campus has a traumatic impact on our overall well-being and impedes us from fully engaging with our academics in a free space where all students are given the right to pursue an education. The presence was and will always be an infringement on that right. But here is the thing, though. I'm just going to interject with my, my thoughts on this this short portion of this letter from uh, DACA recipients, the University of Arizona, you say fully impeding from fully engaging with academics, but this young woman was impeding on the academics of other students. So, like, they weren't coming to your classroom. It was happening the other way around. Back into the letter, students at the UA decided to bravely stand up and be vocal 
about the threat Customs and Border Patrol presence creates for our community. Their action is to be applauded and admired because they put their community before themselves and acted to protect us. After protect us. After the video of the interaction with CPB was released, the students were bombarded with threats to their physical and emotional well-being, something that has not been acknowledged by media outlets. The students were recently harassed and persecuted, harassed and persecuted by law enforcement agencies and officers, including the vice president of the National Border Patrol Council. Agent Art Del Cueto called the university to investigate whether the students violated the university's code of conduct or state regarding the disorderly conduct. This agency not only terrorizes our communities on the day-to-day, but also actively works to silence the students who speak out. Soon thereafter, the university's President Robbins announced that two students will be facing criminal charges, provoking again the swiftness of which institutions criminalize people of color. Okay. And it finishes with, As DACA recipients, we are in full support of students who spoke out on our defense. We do not tolerate any form of harassment or marginalization that comes from Custers and Border Patrol. We appreciate value and are here for the allies of whom are being persecuted. Signed in solidarity, DACA recipients at the University of Arizona. Okay, a couple notes here. Um, it says uh, they were the two women were protecting you from Border Patrol. Making it seem as if they came to campus specifically to arrest people, which wasn't the case. I read that it was a job fair, and they were just talking to students. Um, President Robbins, president of the University of Arizona, issued a statement. And he basically said, um, it's not right to uh, step on others' freedom of speech. And the university is in no place to um, disclose immigration information to um, law enforcement. So, I don't know. He's basically taking the sides of uh, not the girls. It's a really interesting case. Um and as it gets as it gets bigger and bigger, uh, and more people weigh in on it, you're definitely definitely gonna see people take sides. Super interesting because I went to the school. We're probably gonna be talking about talking about that later this week when Caller John gets back. Um, but yeah, we're gonna take a quick, quick, quick commercial break, make a little bit of money, and we'll be back with more stories. This is Dark Racial Humor. Nipsey Hustle, Rap Niggas. 
Rest in peace to the late Nipsey Hussle. We have some more Nipsey news. A little bit more Nipsey news to finish off. Well, I mean, the episode's not finished. We're just, we're just fucking getting started here on Dark Racial Humor, the podcast. I'm Bon Jin. I'm here hosting solo today once again. Because my co-host is not here doing God knows what out there. That dog. Okay. Nipsey News. Nipsey News. Nipsey News. Um, Nipsey Hustle's bodyguard. This is from Hot 97. Um, he's retiring. This is a, a quote from him. His name is... I don't... It doesn't say his name. It was like J-Rock or something? Yeah. Excuse me. Alright, never in a million years. I thought I'd be writing some shit like this. We haven't made a hundred million yet. We were supposed to grow old. I call you big nose. Shoot jokes on you all day. But instead I'm here in tears writing this. I wish I was there. I would switch places with you any day. The world need you here. I'm so confused. Lost hurt. Lost a brother. Best friend. A mentor. All I can hear you saying now. Is if it was me. I would tell you nigga live your life and grow. I'd tell you finish what we started. Reach some heights you know. And gas the V12 and smoke. And pipe and smoke. But it sounds way easier than done. I got the babies in L forever. I'm done with all this shit. I retire from being a bodyguard. I love you, Hustle the Great. Alright. Bodyguard. Retiring. Um, apparently, uh, his bodyguard wasn't with him at the time. Obviously. I read somewhere on Twitter. You know how Twitter people love to talk. He went to, Nipsey also went to the store without telling his bodyguard. You know, he just went there solo. And you know, just like Russian roulette, man. The one time you're not with your bodyguard, you know. Shit. So, real, real sad stuff. Real, real sad Nipsey news. Uh, Lots more, lots more Nipsey news to come. Like, dude. Twitter is just like pouring, just like sadness. It's real bad. It's real bad. It's real bad. Once again, not a Nipsey Hussle fan, but respect nonetheless. Okay, so let's get let's go uh, get going with a little bit of a fun news to lighten the mood, right? You know, it's a beautiful Wednesday. It's three thirty. There's just so much to talk about. So, Justin Bieber blasted for insensitive April Fool's Day pregnancy prank. This is from Today.com. <coughs> Damn. Um, so, Justin Bieber uh, pulled uh, a prank. You know what? I, I, I just got to pull up a song because I feel like it's, a, it's, it's pretty appropriate right now. Sorry, I'm skipping ahead. There we go. Get it? You're going to get it in a second. So, Justin Bieber blasted for insensitive April Fool's Day pregnancy prank. Justin Bieber has found himself in the center of controversy for playing an April Fool's Day joke many consider to be distasteful. The singer, 25, came under fire after he posted a series of photos Monday indicating that he and his wife, Haley Bieber, were expecting a baby. He initially posted a sonogram, which raised eyebrows. 
The post had no comment, but Haley Bieber wrote in the comments, very funny. Justin Bieber remained committed to the bit by later posting a series of photos by his wife, examined by a team of doctors while she touched her stomach. If he thought it was April Fool's, he wrote, doubling down on anyone who may have doubted him. The Sorry Singer finally came clean in a third Instagram post, which included an image of a sonogram enhanced with a puppy. OMG, is that a April Fool's, he wrote. His joke was met with criticism by people who chided him for not being sensitive for those who struggle to conceive. All caps. Listen, I don't care if you are Justin Bieber and Haley Baldwin. A fake pregnancy announcement is not an April Fool's joke. Justin Bieber faking Haley being Haley pregnant is gross and insensitive, another user wrote. Bieber responded to the criticism on Tuesday with a lengthy post on Instagram. Jesus Christ. He didn't write Jesus Christ. That's me saying Jesus Christ. But he wished he could write Jesus Christ. Quote, There's always going to be people offended. There's going to be those who don't take jokes very well. I'm a prankster and it was April Fool's, he wrote. I didn't at all mean to be insensitive to people who can't have children. A lot of people I know first go to prank on April Fool's telling their parents they're pregnant and get a reaction. Holy shit, dude. This is exhausting. This is... How... Could you possibly be offended by something that was literally the most harmless of jokes? Like, Jesus Christ, get over yourself. Literally, no one was hurt. This is one of the few jokes, April Fool's pranks, where nobody on the receiving end was hurt. Holy shit. Like, god damn. Really? I don't know, man. The fact that he even had to apologize is simply appalling. It must be exhausting. If I were him, I would just delete social media and just, you know, buy 100 acres of land and just chill with the wife, you know, just chill. Yeah. Awesome, dude. Okay, so that's it for, uh,. What the fuck, Justin Bieber? Justin Bieber news. Play us out. Also, what's up? What else is going on in what the fuck news? Let's talk about our boy Joe Biden. Uh, 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 uh. Why is Joey in the news today? Well, we all know. I was saying yesterday that his. His presidential run is pretty much finished before it even got started. Why is that? Because a couple women came out and basically disclosed that he gets a little too handsy with them. I guess he kissed someone's head. Made him feel uncomfortable. Um, and, you know, that just doesn't sit right with many people in the country, especially in today's climate. Um, the two women were, were uh, important. Where, where, uh, it's important to say that the two women did disclose that it was not sexual harassment. They just felt uncomfortable. And I would too. If Joe Biden rubbed my shoulders and kissed my head, holy shit, I would be uncomfortable. Why I would wait until he runs for president to bring it up, I don't know. Um, but here's the thing though, it's no secret. There's tons of pictures on Twitter of him just touching people. And like, putting like people on his lap. It's fucking like weird. Anyway. 
He has to do a little bit of damage control before he puts out that presidential um, announcement. Because <laughs> Lord, know Lord knows he's going to need it. Because Obama's not going to endorse his sorry ass. So, here's that um, presidential, not presidential, that decree via Twitter. Right now it has 1.53 million views. But first, let me read the caption. Social norms are changing. I understand that. And I've heard what these women are saying. Politics to me has always been about making connections. But I will be more mindful about respecting personal space in the future. That's my responsibility and I will meet it. It's so weird to read it. It's so weird to read. So I have to write that. Okay, so here's, here's what Mr. Joey Biden's saying. Folks, in the coming month, I expect to be talking to you about a whole lot of issues. And I'll always be direct with you. But today I want to talk about gestures of support and encouragement that I've made to women and some men that have made them uncomfortable. And I always try to be, uh, in my career, I've always tried to make a human connection. That's my responsibility, I think. I shake hands, I hug people, I, I grab men and women by the shoulders and say, you can do this. And, and, uh, and whether they're women, men, young, old, it's, it's the way I've always been. It's the way I've tried to show I care about them and I'm listening. And over the years, knowing what I've been through, the things that I've faced, I've found that scores, if not hundreds of people have come up to me and reached out for solace and comfort, something, something, anything that may help them get through the tragedy they're going through. And, and, uh, and, and so I, it's just, just who, who I am. And I've never thought of politics as cold and antiseptic. I, I've always thought it about connecting with people. As I said, shaking hands, uh, hands on the shoulder, a hug, uh, encouragement. And now, and now it, it's all about taking selfies together. Uh, you know, social norms have begun to change. They've shifted. And the boundaries of protecting personal space have been reset. And I get it. I get it. I hear what they're saying. I understand it. And I'll be much more mindful. That's my responsibility. My responsibility, and I'll meet it. But I'll always believe governing, quite frankly, life for that matter, is about connecting, about connecting with people. That won't change, but I will be more mindful and respectful of people's personal space. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. I've worked my whole life to empower women. I've worked my whole life to prevent abuse. I've written, and, and so the idea that I can adjust to the fact that personal space is important, more important than it's ever been, is... is okay, do you think he's sincere? I do. Truly, truly, I do. Honestly. It's a little bit of a ramble, but, you know, I got kind of lost in the words. Um, yeah, no, yeah, I, I think he's sincere. I do think it's pretty funny that, you know, he has to do this in the first place. But, you know, you got to do, you just got to sweep some shit under the rug before you uh, announce that you're running for the president of the United States of America. Um, I don't know. It might be a little too late for that. So, good job, Joe, for uh, trying, trying your best there. Trying your best there. Speaking of which, let's talk about vaporizers, shall we? This is from CNBC.com. FDA is investigating nearly three dozen reports of seizures after vaping. Jesus Christ. Holy shit. I'm glad I don't vape. 
that much. The Food and Drug Administration is investigating nearly three dozen cases of people suffering from seizures after vaping, the agency announced Wednesday. Between 2010 and 2019, the FDC, FDA said it received 35 reports of people, excuse me, especially kids and young adults, experiencing seizures after using e-cigarettes. However, the FDA said it's unclear whether e-cigarettes cause the seizures. All right. Quote, Commissioner from Amy, Amy Ambertley. While 35 cases may not seem like much compared to the total number of people using e-cigarettes, we are nonetheless concerned by these report cases. Outgoing FDA Commissioner Scott Gottlieb and Principal Deputy Commissioner Amy Lady said, E-cigarette liquids contain high concentrations of nicotine. If swallowed, they can be poisonous, often causing nausea, sweating, dizziness, and tremors, according to the Capital Poison Center. In severe cases, nicotine poisoning can cause seizures or even death. Well, um, I'm not addicted to nicotine, thank God. Um, not a huge vapor. Never really was into it. It hurts my throat. Or maybe I'm just doing it incorrectly. And also, you're sucking on metal. That's kind of weird. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's a, it's one of those things where it's like too early to know, like the long term effects. Like, what if everybody grows a fucking third eye in fifty years from vaping, or they all just die or some shit, or like their fucking lungs freeze? And like Jesus Christ, and jewels, dude. Jewels are like. Jewels are the same thing, yeah. Like, people are so fucking addicted to jewels. Like, I know kids, people my age, that literally lose their shit when their jewel goes missing. Or when their fucking, their pod goes missing. It's just like, dude, smoke a cig. Damn. I don't know, I guess it's cheaper. But yeah, thank good, <laughs> thank goodness I'm not into that. Um... Time we got here, Jesus Christ! I'm just running through all my stories today, so it's probably gonna be a shorter episode, maybe only two. Yeah, cause I, my bad. I have one more story to get through, and you know, I'm just not good at talking to myself. I could play some Nipsey Hustle. I wish I had some fucking comments to read, but. You motherfuckers don't fucking listen, so it doesn't even matter. Okay, so, last story of the day. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is from the New York Times. What's life like as a student at USC? Depends on the size of your bank account. Full disclosure. I live right up the street from USC. I don't go to USC, but I see USC kids every day. Some of them look rich, and some of them look poor. Everything... Food-wise, around USC, it's about $10 more expensive than you would expect it to be. USC has this plaza called the USC Village. You cannot eat there for less than $20. It's so fucking expensive. It's like unnecessarily expensive food. They have like places called like Wallaburger, which is like Mark Wahlberg's burger place. Like so... <sighs> Disgustingly expensive. Okay. So, anyway, this article basically talks about how there's a huge social class divide at USC. 
because you have the rich, riches of the rich kids, the children of real estate agents in Los Angeles, actors, producers, directors, you know, people with like real fucking money that can go to Bali for spring break. And then you have South Central kids that are in the same classroom as these, uh, these kids that come from extravagant wealth. And the the article is pretty interesting because it talks about how both the rich and the poor feel judged by each other because they're both in the same environment. Um, it's pretty interesting and it's coming in the wake of how people are starting to look at people from wealth in regards to university relations, especially after the university scandal. Read something today that Lori Laughlin and that other lady are most likely going to look at jail time, even if they take a plea deal. Because, you know, they want to be made an example of. So, really interested to see how that story goes. Once again, uh, if you're going to fucking give money to a school, do it in the form of a donation or a building, like Dr. Dre did. Right? Cool. Awesome. So, I'll read a little bit of the story. And then I'm going to leave it to you guys. I'm going to cut this episode early because I'm fucking thirsty. All right. So what's life like at USC? Depends on the size of your bank account. Spring break in Bali. Resort style apartment buildings with rooftop pools and tanning beds. And regular dinners out at Nobu. Jesus. Jesus, really? Nobus are like... Really expensive sushi restaurant in Malibu, by the way. For our UK listeners, where a tab of four roommates could easily stretch into four digits. This is life as a student at the University of Southern California. This is also life as a USC student, working an overnight shift to earn money for books, going hungry with the campus meal plan runs out, and seeing friends presume that $20 and seething as friends presume that a $20 glass of wine is affordable. Newsflash, it's not. The divide between rich and poor students could hardly be more vivid than it is at USC, where the children of celebrities and real estate moguls study alongside the children of nannies and dishwashers. Now, the college admissions bribery scheme, which has enslaved dozens of wealthy parents, accused of bribing their children's way into USC has brought renewed attention to class divides on campus and how different students' experience can be depending on the size of your bank account. Quote, USC tries to paint the campus as this beautiful place to enjoy and relish in abundance, said Oliver Bentley, a sophomore who was among the first in his family to go to college. There's this idea that once you enter USC, you're on the same playing field. That in itself is a lie. I have met these rich kids who have so much that I can't comprehend, doing things I can't fathom. Interviews with students on campus from across the economic spectrum show how difficult it is to navigate a university that tries to be a home uh, for all. After decades of attracting some of Los Angeles and of LA's wealthiest families, USC has aggressively recruited and enrolled students who could never afford the roughly fifty-seven grand per annual tuition. Wow. And Lori Laughlin gave 50 grand to get in? Shit. But the reality for many is a microcosm of the economic disparities of the city the campus calls home. And as in the rest of Los Angeles, the vast majority felt ill-equipped to bridge the divide. 
The university has been attracting students from all backgrounds, a priority by almost any measure. Its recruitment efforts have been a resounding success. The academic credentials of incoming freshmen have steadily risen, and applications to the university are at an all-time high, as USC has fought to shed its reputation as a playground for the spoiled elite. Officials have boasted about its racial and social economic diversity. More than a quarter of the students are from an unrepresented minority group. 14% of all freshmen are the first in their families to attend college, and about two out of three students receive financial assistance. The college has one of the largest financial aid pools in the country, more than $350 million, an increase of nearly 80% over the last decade. Okay, so that's a lot of diversity. You know what I'm saying? At USC. So, of course, you're going to have rich kids and you're going to have poor kids at school. But this situation is a little bit, a little bit more, um, a little bit different because it's in Los Angeles. It's, it's elite. It's in the heart of downtown. Like, all the cool kids go to USC. All the, all the cool parties are at USC. Steven Spielberg went to USC. Like, Anybody who's everybody goes to USC. I don't know if that's the case anymore. USC's cool. We're just like, whatever, dude. Like, it's all about the U of A, right? Where you get arrested for fucking disrupting classes. Uh, Jesus. All right, so let's read a little more of this. And yet, as the bribery cases have made clear, the campus remains a place of pervasive wealth where celebrity, money, and status are still part of daily life. You know how many USC kids I saw when I went to Cabo? Oh my god, it was great. This is the campus of choice for Dr. Dre, who boasted last month about his daughter being admitted on her own merit without mentioning that he had donated millions of dollars for a school building named in his honor. See, I told you that's what you gotta do. Wealth is so closely associated with USC that when a recent Saturday Night Light scoop skit spoofed the admission scandal, it opened with a shot of USC's Central Library. Oh, man. Okay, so, you know, it just goes into talking about how, uh, um, there's just a lot of rich kids, and I guess, like, they're uncomfortable with each other or something. There's a lot of luxury housing that's popping up. The Lorenzo is a picture of it right here. It looks magnificent. The impact of family income goes beyond campus social life. Wealthier students can easily turn to private tutors when they are struggling in class and often have built-in access to their parents' networks, which they can turn to for jobs and internships. Okay, yeah, but that's always been true, though. That's the thing. That's the thing. Sure, college is going to be a little bit harder if you have less money, especially if you're working. If you don't have to work, college is easy as shit. College is a vacation if you don't have to work. But if you do have to work, you're still fundamentally getting the best, the same education. So take advantage of it. You know what I'm saying? It's important. Okay, so that's all I have to say today. Um, sorry, I'm trying to burp, but like shit. Fuck, okay, so that's all I have to say today. I'll catch you guys tomorrow. I'm Bonjin, this is Dark Racial Humor.